welcome to another mini-episode of the Superpowered Fancast. This is Darren. Uh, well, this is it. I mean, this is the final episode of my uh, Star Trek retrospective, and I'm sure a lot of you are eagerly anticipating the end, either because you are completionists who just like to see things come to an end, or you're basically just waiting for me to stop droning on and on about Star Trek. Well, here you go. This will be the final episode, and this is going to be all about Star Trek Enterprise. Now, in the interest of full disclosure, I will admit I am not a fan of Star Trek Enterprise. Now, it isn't that the show is particularly bad or anything. It's the fact that I didn't really see a need for it. Now, I enjoyed the historical aspects of Star Trek for what they were. Now, I had never understood why a show that was steeped in and looking towards the future felt the need for its latest iteration to be about the past. I mean, ultimately, it's the same reason why I have issue with shows like Gotham. See, if I already know the outcome of the narrative, then there's very little actual drama in the journey to get to it. See, I already know that Kirk takes command of the Enterprise, so the adventures of Archer and the creation of the Federation just seemed like a foregone conclusion, and therefore not particularly interesting. One of the other things that the show seemed to lack is a sense of the characters. See, the best episodes of any Trek series, in my opinion, focus on the characters and the drama it comes from the all-too-human situations that happen to take place in the future. See, Enterprise fell into the easy trope of trying to create long-form story arcs, which Loss was able to do much better two years later. So you never really got to know the characters or care what happened to them because they spent so much time trying to cram in the Star Trek history that you actually really did care about. And after reviewing all four seasons, and I literally forgot there were four seasons. I thought that there were three. I was, in fact, able to find two episodes that I was able to find something in which to enjoy. And this isn't, you know, anything bad about the the actors or the producers or anyone that was trying. Like, the actors did a great job. I'm a huge fan of Scott Bakula. I always have been. Love them ever since Quantum Leap. It just, I never really got a, they, they never really gave you a sense of why Archer was an awesome captain. I mean, he's a good captain. They showed that he cared about his crew, but they just never seemed to really give you a sense of caring about any of the characters, like Trip or T'Pol or any of them. They just seemed to be there to service the long storylines and, don't even get me started on the Zindi. Anyway, so the first episode I'm going to talk about is one called Dead Stop. Now, Dead Stop is the fourth episode of the second season. Now, it originally aired October 9th, 2002. It was written by Michael Sussman and Phyllis Strong and directed by Roxanne Dawson. Now, in case you didn't know, Roxanne Dawson... Uh, played Chief Engineer Belana Torres on Star Trek Voyager. So, after the last episode titled Minefield, Enterprise is in need of repairs. The ship was damaged by a Romulan minefield and is in desperate need. So, 
If they have to head back to Earth, it will take them 10 years to return as their speed has been reduced to warp 2, and the repairs will take at least 4 months to complete. See, Armory Officer Malcolm Reed is still healing from his injury as Captain Archer has made the decision to send out a general distress call. Which is actually an interesting plot point. I mean, most of the time, uh, Starfleet ships are answering distress calls. This is interesting to see a Starfleet ship actually send out one. Now, a Tellarite freighter contacts a ship and directs them to a repair station. At warp 2, Enterprise can reach the station in three days. As they approach, uh, they're greeted by a computer voice once they actually board the station. And the computer's voice is also that of Roxanne Dawson. Your inquiry was not recognized. Archer, uh, T'Pol, and Tucker travel over to the station and find that it's completely automated. Now, after negotiating for the payment for the repairs, which is 200 liters of warp plasma, the station configures to allow Enterprise to dock. Now, the computer estimates that repairs will be completed in a little over 30 hours. Now, the away team discovers that the station has advanced technology, including replicators and lasers that can repair physical injuries as well. See, as the station clamps down on the ship and begins to repair it, a small portable laser begins to repair Malcolm's leg. See, Captain Archer is concerned that the station seemingly just needs basic things as payment, and that there's no indication of the builders. You seem troubled. Guess I need to do a better job at repressing my emotions. These repairs are one hell of a bargain at only 200 liters of warp plasma, don't you think? Not every culture is based on the acquisition of wealth. The station's builders could simply have been interested in helping others. What happened to them? They could have at least left a message. Thanks for stopping by. Perhaps they prefer anonymity. Don't you find that a little suspicious? As there's no one on board the station that they can ask about the technology they're using to repair Enterprise, uh, Tucker and Reed decide to try and locate the station's central computer. See, they sneak into the core through an access tunnel, and when they get too close, they're detected and transported back to the bridge of the Enterprise. At the same time, uh, helmsman Travis Mayweather is called to engineering uh, and sees a damaged console. Now, as Archer dresses down, Reed and Tucker, he receives a call telling him that Mayweather is dead. Now, the captain is upset as Dr. Flox begins his autopsy of the dead ensign. Now, Flox begins the autopsy and notices something odd in the scans of the body. He calls the captain to sick bay, and then Flox explains what he finds. This is not Ensign Mayweather. What? It's a nearly perfect replica. I've never seen a life form duplicated in such extraordinary detail, from its epidermis down to its cellular proteins. This is remarkable work. If it's so perfect, how do you know it's not him? You recall what happened to Crewman Fisher last month after our visit to Tessic Prime? He came down with Rigelian fever. I inoculated the entire crew to prevent an outbreak. Would you mind uh, rolling up your sleeve? <clears throat> vaccine contained millions of genetically altered microbes. Most of them are still in your bloodstream. 
they typically survive for uh, oh, at least several weeks. Every one of the alien microbes in this body is dead. Couldn't they have been killed by the isolytic shock? These microbes thrive on isolytic energy. If anything, they would have multiplied. I believe that someone or something has abducted Ensign Mayweather and left this facsimile uh, in his place. Archer decides to find the missing crewman. Now, he sends Tucker to talk to the station's computer along with their agreed-upon payment. Now, while Tucker attempts to distract the computer, Archer, Reed, and T'Pol attempt to infiltrate the computer core through the same tunnel Reed and Tucker used before. Now, when Reed sets off the failsafe program, he's transported back to the bridge. Archer and T'Pol find a way into the core, and they find that the station is being powered by racks of decaying humanoid bodies. So the repair station takes a member of each ship's crew along with a payment and uses those bodies to power itself. The station issues a warning to the Enterprise when it discovers that the captain and first officer in the Corps are freeing Mayweather. So Tucker makes his way back to the ship as the station's repair arms clamp down on Enterprise in retaliation. Now, in order to escape the station, Archer has Reed detonate the warp plasma they left in the center of the station. This causes enough damage to the ship to allow it to escape. Now, as Mayweather wakes up and is told that he was lucky because the other humanoids in the Corps, which included a Vulcan, a Klingon, and a Cardassian, had their entire brain patterns rewritten, and they could not be saved. Now, as the ship continues on its mission, uh, the final scene shows the broken station beginning to repair itself. Now... This was a decent episode, in my opinion, because it was character-based. It showed that Archer is not the open-minded, wide-eyed explorer that most captains are usually depicted as. He is more pragmatic. It also gives some minor insight into technology that will become a part of the Star Trek universe, specifically replicators. The fact that they were so in awe of a replicator that could uh, create a glass of water or a plate of uh pan-fried catfish was interesting and it's actually something that as a star trek fan you kind of take for granted that it that just happens on on board starfleet ships so this was interesting this was an interesting thing to see the next episode i want to talk about is one called daedalus now daedalus is the 10th episode of the fourth season and the title is actually appropriate now, for those unfamiliar with the story of Daedalus, he's a skilled craftsman and inventor who created the Labyrinth of Crete, home of the Minotaur. Now, King Minos imprisons him and his son Icarus in a tower to prevent his knowledge of the labyrinth from getting out. Now, Daedalus fashions wax wings for himself and Icarus and tells the boy to not fly too high or the wax will melt. As they were escaping, Icarus flew too close and fell into the sea, drowning as Daedalus watched helplessly. Now, the episode Daedalus was written by uh, Ken Lezebnik and Alan Brennard. It was directed by David Strayton. Now, in the episode, Chief Engineer Tucker and Captain Archer are on their way to the transporter, and Tucker is excited. The two men talk about the guests that they're about to have on board, and they beam on board Dr. Emery Erickson and his daughter Danica. Now, Erickson is the inventor of the transporter. He is on board the Enterprise to test a newly developed sub-quantum transporter 
that will theoretically beam a human being thousands of light years in a matter of moments. See, Trip runs into T'Pol in the mess hall and asks her about the death of her mother less than a week before, and she assures him that she's fine, prompting him to leave her in peace before they all meet later with the captain for dinner. Now, there's an interesting conversation regarding the suspicions behind transporter technology, which makes sense in a real-world environment when talking about the application of new technology. I'll never forget the protest when the transporter was first approved for biomatter. Oh, God, here we go. <laughs> People said it was unsafe. That it caused brain cancer, psychosis, and even sleep disorders. And then there's all that metaphysical chatter about whether or not the person who arrived after the transport was the same person who left and not some weird copy. The ship enters an area known as the Barrens, an area of space devoid of star systems. Now, Erickson and Tripp are working on modifying a transporter pad with experimental equipment to begin the testing. Now, Tripp laments that the experiment is going to require more power than they initially thought, and he asks to see Erickson's experimental power converter, but he's blown off. Now, when the chief engineer presses the argument that he should have access to any and all equipment being installed on the ship, Erickson pulls rank and blows him off again. Erickson leaves, and his daughter Danica returns to their quarters to give him an injection in his spine that they never explain, and she pleads with her father to tell Captain Archer the real reason why they're on the ship. See, Erickson explains that Archer isn't an enemy, but his first duty is to his ship and Starfleet, which would preclude him from helping them. At the same moment, uh, Malcolm Reed, the tactical officer, and another and an ensign are in the armory when the lights begin to flicker. They then go out, and as both men move through the room trying to locate the source of the disturbance, the bridge is scanning to, dis- to determine what it might be. The ensign confronts a shimmering entity in the room that passes through him, killing him instantly. Now, half his, felt- his face is melted off. As the de- it's determined that the entity is giving off traces of Delta radiation, and Archer confronts Erickson with their findings. Now, the man says he has no, I- no knowledge of the entity, but he does offer to help. Now, when he returns to his quarters, Danica confronts him about the real reason they're on the Enterprise. She's upset because she feels responsible for the death of the uh, ensign. See, Erickson explains that if she tells Archer... Quinn is going to die. So 15 years previously, Erickson's son and Archer's best friend Quinn was lost during the initial trials of the transporter, and Erickson believes that his pattern is still retrievable. See, after the first test of the subquantum transporter, Tripp speaks to the captain in private about his suspicions regarding the experiment. Something's wrong. Most of the work Emory had me do, tap into the warp reactor for extra power, rerouting the plasma flow, it wasn't necessary for the test. What do you say? Remember when the lights dimmed? Yeah. Well, he channeled that energy into a feedback loop. It wasn't going into the beam. Maybe he needs the power for another phase of the experiment. From what I can tell, his subquantum version should use less energy than a regular transporter. That's one of the reasons it's so brilliant. Either he was keeping me busy, making sure I was looking the other way, or this subquantum thing is a smokescreen for something else. Something he hasn't told us about. I wouldn't have picked up on any of it if you hadn't asked me to take a closer look. 
The entity returns, and Archer and T'Pol track it to C-Deck. So they see the entity as it passes, and T'Pol gets a visual scan. After enhancing the video, Archer discovers that it's Quinn. He confronts Erickson, who, Erickson, who tells him the truth. See, Erickson believes that he can bring back his son. He pleads with Archer to help him. Now, Archer decides to, but Trip confronts Erickson about his decision and the risk to the crew as the ship prepares to scan for Quinn's signal. In engineering, Trip has a conversation with T'Pol about how she's separating herself from the crew and that her mission to learn more about humans is suffering because of it. At the same time, Quinn reappears and blows out one of the wall consoles in the hangar bay, almost killing Archer and Erickson. Trip and Archer are arguing about the incident in a scene that I actually found a little annoying. See, the lack of command protocol disturbed me in that the captain gave him an order, and he's obligated to follow it. See, three hours later, they pick up Quinn's signal again and lock onto him. They start to beam him back, and Phlox tells him that his pattern is degrading. See, Erickson refuses to give up even as Archer tries to explain to them that he has to let him go. Erickson completes the sequence and brings Quinn back, saying goodbye to him as he dies on the pad. Enterprise leaves the Barons, and Archer speaks to Erickson in his quarters about how he made the right decision to let his son go. T'Pol is in sickbay, and Phlox tells her that the terminal disease that she was diagnosed with is gone. And she decides to talk to Trip about what she was dealing with. Now, Erickson and Danica leave the ship, and the episode ends. Now, that was, and it was an interesting episode in that you got an insight into, again, another piece of technology that, as a Star Trek fan, you kind of take for granted as already being in existence. But again, it still falls into the fatal flaw with me of, I already know this stuff exists. I didn't necessarily see need to see the creation of it. Or necessarily, I mean, the the little insights is fine, but you know, I don't think you can really base a whole show around things you know are already going to happen. So on that note, those were actually two episodes of Star Trek Enterprise that I found enjoyable in a series that, you know, overall I just didn't. So there you have it, Star Trek Enterprise. Anyway, uh, we've got a lot of new things that are going to be coming up in the new year. Um, some new episodes about new subjects. We're still going to uh, keep doing unofficial primers. So anytime in the Geekosphere you hear about a new character, um, we're more than likely going to be doing a unofficial primer about it. If you have any suggestions for uh, many episodes, uh, you can let us know by emailing us at superpoweredfancast at gmail.com. You can check out our articles on our website, superpoweredfancast.com. You can read our articles and uh, news items and even comic book reviews on uh, the Geeks Worldwide Network. That's the GWW.com. And please continue to uh, follow us on Twitter at superpoweredfan. And check out our YouTube channel. Uh, We're actually going to be starting a... Probably like maybe a little series where we look at some uh, classic sci-fi from a new perspective. 
and that's uh, Super Powered Fancast on YouTube. Uh, also, check out our Facebook page, facebook.com slash superpoweredfancast. Um, as always, uh, please rate and review us on iTunes. Tell us what you like, what you don't like, what you like more of. And I will see you the next time. This is Darren from the Super Powered Fancast saying, Peace and long life. Live long and prosper.